Did you know that it's possible to raise your littles to want to listen to you without the use of consequences, rewards, and bribes? Hi, I'm Kaylee Zeyer, and this is the Chaos to Connected podcast, where we discuss simple yet effective parenting strategies to manage those pesky behaviors we go to bed at night hoping will be gone tomorrow. We're going to stand up to societal norms of disconnection, shaming, and punishments so we can take a deeper look into our child's heart. It's there you'll find connection, and there where you'll find more peace, obedience, respect, and joy. So what are you waiting for? We know those behaviors aren't going to go away on their own. Let's dive in. Hey, and welcome back to the Chaos to Connected podcast. If you are new, thank you so much for joining in. I hope you find these episodes helpful. And if you've been with me for a little while or a long while, thank you so much for continuing to join in. And I hope that these episodes have blessed you and continue to encourage you on this motherhood journey because if I know anything about connected parenting, I know that it is not easy, but it is very rewarding. And so I just want to encourage you to continue on even when you feel like it's so hard choose your heart, right? That's what I keep reminding myself. I can choose to feel like the easy route where I can yell and let things just go without even thinking about it, but that has a level of hard. Or I can choose the other hard, which is to work on my own self-control and managing my triggers and seeing behavior for what it is and you know, I just encourage you to weigh that out a little bit. And sometimes that can be a little bit of a helpful um, thought process as you're in the midst of maybe a challenging day. But today I want to talk a little bit more about crying. So when I first became a parent, all I really had learned was that my job basically was to keep my child safe and happy, aka stop the crying at whatever cost, as it comes. And I can even remember being a part of those like birthing classes at the hospital and being taught specifically how to stop the crying. Do you remember those five S's? Swaying and shushing and swaddling and I can't remember the other two. But I look back at that experience now and think about what an opportunity we have today to change our view about crying and see it for what it actually really is, which is a natural recovery process. So today I want to explore all of the different facets of crying with you in hopes that it will help you to learn to see crying differently, approach it with a fresh perspective, and become more aware of how we're actually silencing the crying, even without consciously thinking that's what we are doing. And I add that last part because even as someone who practices these connection strategies, which if you've listened before or know anything about connected parenting, you know that it strongly encourages and teaches you as a parent how to support your child through their big feelings. It can still happen. And because whenever I share in my Instagram stories about crying and whether people feel like it is actually okay with them, the answer is a majority of the time, yes. However, I think that a lot of the time we're actually stopping it in some way. We just aren't realizing that's what we're doing because it comes so naturally. Like that's what society promotes us to do. That's what we're taught. That's what's ingrained in us. That might even be what has been programmed in you based on how you were raised. And so I think that one of the deep-rooted perceptions of crying that I had to overcome and I think is pretty common for most people when I became a mom was that 
I needed to stop the crying. Crying was bad. And if you're currently in that place, I don't want you to feel bad about it. I just want you to really pay attention to today's episode and really think about it from a different perspective. There's so much encouragement, like I mentioned, along the way to feel like crying is bad and to encourage us to stop the crying. And again, we might have that natural inclination based on how we were raised or even like what we saw at school or at our friends' houses or daycare or just other environments that we might have been in. But I want you to know something extremely powerful. And if there's anything that you take away from this episode, this next statement is what I want you to take away and remember. What if you thought of crying not as bad, but as a process in which you're actually helping your child learn as they face challenges? And then to heal and recover from things that have caused them hurts. That's an amazing gift, don't you think? When our kids are upset, they can't think. So that judgment and the reasoning and the problem-solving area of their brain becomes inaccessible. And they often do things that either don't make sense or are impulsive. And they might even do things that they don't want to do, but they can't seem to help but doing So, for example, like if you have a child who tends to be aggressive, I would encourage you to really watch them after an aggressive episode, like, you know, maybe they impulsively hit or push their brother or sister down. Instead of immediately running to that sibling, I want you to take, obviously, unless they're like really hurt, (laughs) um, but I want you to take a second and look at the child who did the aggressive behavior and look at their face because they don't want to hurt others. They were just unable to access the part of the brain that allowed them to judge that situation, to problem solve something that they could do differently, and then to act not out of impulse, but out of impulse control. Again, children don't want to be off track. They don't want to hurt others. They don't want to feel out of control, just like we don't. That's not a good feeling. And I think we have to always remember that kids are just many versions of us. I think we have this thought that they're... And not even consciously, but just how society kind of treats kids in general or talks about them and encourages us to view them is like they're almost like a different species, you know? Like we treat them way differently than we would treat anybody else. And so I just want to encourage you to remind yourself and remember that they are just mini versions of us and they don't want to feel the same things that we don't want to feel and they can't help some of the feelings that they feel just like we can't, right? Being triggered. And so the only way to get them back under control is to allow the feelings to come out and to support them through that. And again, just think about your own self. If you have been struggling with something and you're just holding it in, you're not really sharing it, and you add all these different hurts, somebody says something that bothers you, somebody, you know, hurts your child's feelings and that bothers you, or, you know, whatever the case might be, there there's so many things that are just bombarding us all day, every day. And if we're not unloading those things, we're taking them on and they're piling up. And all of a sudden, maybe you stub your toe or drop and break a glass. And all of a sudden, all the feelings rush out and come out. At that moment, how would you want somebody to approach your crying? Would you want them to try to immediately stop you and shush you and distract you away? Or would you want them to just sit with you and say, 
wow, that's really tough. I'm right here with you. I'm really sorry. You know, think about how that would feel and the difference between those things. And then I also want to share with you, I'm sure you probably deep down know this, but I don't think it's a conscious thought for most of us, is that kids are only going to cry when they actually need to. They're not just going to start crying, right? There's a reason behind it. Just like for us, we don't just, unless you're an actor, (laughs) you know, like we don't just start crying. There is a reason behind the crying. And one of the things that gets me the most upset, no offense if you do this, but is when people say that their child is faking it or fake crying. So a couple weeks ago, you know, we take care of my grandparents during the day. If you, if you didn't know while my parents are working, my kids are with me and there was an occupational therapist nonetheless that had come over to do some sessions with, um, my grandma or my grandpa. I can't remember which. And if you've heard me talk about aggression, that is, that is our story. That's what Um, we struggle, have struggled a lot with is aggressive behavior. And what that really means is there's a lot of fear stored up around different situations. And maybe I'll get into that in a different episode because I realize I haven't really full on shared my story. But anyway, if you've heard me talk in previous episodes about aggressive behavior, that layer of fear that our kids are feeling covers over all of the other hurts that they are storing. And so in order to actually process and heal those hurts, we have to get through that layer of aggression and that layer of fear. And that only comes when we can, you know, be calm and self-controlled and support our child even when the aggressive behavior is challenging for us. And so anyway, that day there was a lot of that type of behavior and I actually like wanted to pat myself on the back. I did a good job that day. It doesn't always happen that way, but I was able to stay calm and work through it. And we were finally getting to this place where that aggression was subsiding and tears were starting to come, but it was more challenging for him to actually get them to come and to like release the crying because that's the goal. We want the crying. That's what actually like I mentioned before, is the recovery process. It's not the aggression. You know, having your child hit something isn't going to actually resolve the deep-rooted issue. Maybe it helps with their actual, like, hitting behavior, but it's not going to resolve those deep feelings. So we really need to get to the crying. And as our kids get older, it can be hard for them to start just willingly release the crying, whether it's because, you know, our own... um wording or the perception that we give off that we're not comfortable with crying or whether it's other people speaking it, whether they're seeing it on shows or hearing it in other environments, they start to learn that crying is quote unquote bad like I mentioned before. And so they can, even if you're trying really hard to be, you know, comfortable with the crying, there can still be other influences that are impacting their willingness to cry. And so we had just gotten to this point where he was starting really hard or he was trying really hard to like allow the tears and the feelings to come and they come walking into the room we are, you know, it's clear that there was a meltdown going on or some strong emotions. And she is walking with my grandparent around the island. And as she passes us, she says, oh, looks like you're really faking it. And I, (laughs) that made me so angry because uh, several reasons. When do we ever tell someone else that their feelings are fake? Do you ever go up to your friend or your spouse or your parent 
or anybody else and be like, oh, you must be faking that feeling. Like you probably don't actually feel that way. We never do that. (laughs) Even if the crying wasn't real crying, that doesn't make the feelings that are underlying that behavior that's being expressed fake. So just like I mentioned, we had spent a lot of the morning working on getting through that fear to a place where we could cry. And then by adding that little comment, like you can totally just squash what that person is trying to work through or what that child is trying to say. And if they're already feeling uncomfortable with the crying, now you've just added another layer that crying isn't okay or my feelings aren't okay or I'm not safe here to share my feelings. And so if that's you, I don't want to... (laughs) hurt your feelings or feel like I'm shaming you, but I really would encourage you to stop yourself from saying that and really think about like, why why am I saying this and what feelings is my child really having? And then remembering that crying is an important process and if your child isn't getting to crying, that means they're not resolving hurts and that's the gift that we can give them. You know, we can't stop the world from hurting their feelings. We can't stop other kids from hurting our kids' feelings. We can't stop, you know, other adults from speaking things over them or into them that, you know, bother us or maybe that we don't want them to hear or maybe it's not necessarily something bad, but maybe that we wouldn't choose to, you know, talk about or speak of or we have different, you know, differing views. And so we are able to give that gift of resolving our, helping our kids resolve those feelings because we can't stop that, right? Even as our kids get older, they're going to leave the house at some point and we can't control those things, but we can control what we can do. And what we can do is create a supportive environment that allows for crying because it is the natural recovery process that we need. And if that's difficult for you to think about, I want you to Place yourself back in a time where you were so overwhelmed, like I mentioned before, where maybe you stubbed your toe or you dropped something or somebody said something and you just let the floodgates open. And afterwards, you didn't change anything. There was nothing that happened besides the crying and suddenly you feel like your mind is clear. You can solve that problem. You can come up with a solution that you couldn't figure out before. You can figure out your schedule. You can, you know, do things that are more effective or efficient that you just couldn't even think of to do or bring up before that. And that is because now you've recovered, you've healed, and you have the brain space to now actually access and utilize that part of the brain. And so that's exactly what we're doing with our kids. There are also a couple different types of crying that I wanted to talk about because I feel like they're really common, but most people don't understand that these are actual things. And these situations can really make us want to pull our hair out. But I think if we talk about them a little bit, I hope that it gives you, again, a little perspective shift of what's actually going on so that the next time this happens to you, you can, one, be prepared that it's going to happen, and two, know what to do about it in response, and also so that you know and can help manage your own triggers or anything that might cause the situation to flare up even more, shall we say. So one of them is when small things lead to big cries. So for example, you know, maybe 
And sometimes this is also called the broken cookie incident. So, you know, like you cut your child's sandwich in half like they normally ask you to, but you present it and they cry because they want it in triangles. You know, like little things that to us are like, okay, well... (laughs) It's really not that big of a deal. It's the same thing. You know, you always want your sandwich cut in squares and I cut it in squares for you. And that's because they have a lot of feelings there at the surface. You've created this environment where they feel safe to share that with you. And they're using these little things as a catalyst to allow the big feelings to come out. Just like that stubbed toe or that dropped glass or that, you know, little piece of conversation somebody said to you let out the floodgates of all of the feelings, that big cry that you had. It's the same thing for kids. Another one is called the spoiled outing. So have you ever planned this like amazing day or trip or outing with your child that you knew that they would love because they love that sort of thing? And then either before or during or after, there was just this huge meltdown. Maybe they said things like, you don't even like me or you don't know anything about me or, you know, whatever it might be. And you're sitting there thinking, hello, I literally just planned this amazing trip or this amazing day for you that you love and now you're throwing a fit about it. And that's because children are actually taking advantage of these extra feelings of safety and closeness that they have gotten throughout the day or throughout that experience with you. And because it's been such a like great and happy experience, your child now turns to address the sadness that that he or she is still carrying, those hurts that are under the surface that are weighing them down. And so this is a really great way for your child to like get rid of all those things that are stored up because now it's like amped up special time, right? Special time creates that safety and that trust so that feelings can come to the surface and sometimes they come out at the end of special time. That's like what this this outing is. It's like one larger, long special time and you've spent all this time together creating all this closeness and memories and good moments and safety that once it's over, it's a good time to allow anything that is still stuck in there. So the next time your kid explodes at you after you've had a really, you've planned a really great trip for them or a really great experience, don't take it personally. I would actually see it as like, oh, I did my job. I not only gave them a great experience, but I supported them and allowed them to heal and process through and recover from some of these hurts that they've had stored away in their heart. Another thing that I know is really hard, (laughs) trust me, I do, is in the moments of crying. If your child does something, if they fall and they weren't listening to you and they run and fall again or they climb the tree that you said not to climb and they fall down and they get hurt and they're crying, don't lecture. Or if they hit somebody and you know, don't run over and give them a lecture. I know this is really hard. We're really tempted to scold our child, to lecture them about the situation, but don't give in to that impulse because as your child cries, they're blocking out the surroundings, okay? So they can focus entirely on their feelings and your reassuring presence. So they have narrowed their focus to work on recovery, 
your child cannot complete this task without concentrating on it fully. So when you come in and say, well, you should have listened to me or didn't you see that, you know, broken branch or, you know, whatever it might be, your child is not going to process what you're saying, first of all. And any, like, if you come at it angry, which again, I totally understand, especially if it involves aggressive behavior, but that is only going to add to this hurt that they're trying to process through the crying. So that doesn't mean don't address it. It means after the crying is a much better time to address things because your child then has processed, recovered, healed from some stored hurts and you have provided that safety and connection to allow that to happen. But then what also happens is your child is likely able to come to conclusions on their own. They can figure out and problem solve, just like I talked about for yourself with those big cries. Nothing necessarily changed, but then they can really access that part of the brain that allows them to think and say, oh, I guess, you know, that tree branch wasn't safe. I maybe shouldn't have climbed on it. I could have tried this tree or I could have climbed this different way. Or, you know, my sister didn't actually take the toy that I thought she did, but it looked like it. And so I got really angry and hit. But what I could have done was, and so it allows them to be part of the solution, part of the problem solving. And, you know, then you can address things also when you're calm Um, again, so we're not adding more to what they need to process. And I know this is really challenging, but just something to start working through as you're, as you're approaching the crying, especially after your child does something maybe that they shouldn't have done. Um, and then the last thing is saying mean things. Like, has your ever, has your child ever said like, I hate you or you're the worst mommy ever. So, I know that can really hurt the heart. You know, you're like, but I love you so much and I've given you everything. Um, but it, they don't actually mean it. Okay. So our kids really need that safe person to be able to say whatever they feel again, without lecturing. Just like if you've ever listened to me talk about listening partnerships, I'm going to just speak briefly about it in case you haven't. Listening partnerships is when you um, meet up with another parent. Usually it's somebody that you don't really know. It just works better that way. Um, and when I say meet up, I don't mean in person. I mean, over the phone, you schedule a call consistently every week, maybe a couple times a week, depending on how much you have to process through and how challenging behaviors are and how much you're triggered. But you spend time So you call the person up, you each get a designated amount of minutes, maybe 10, 15, 20, 30, you know, whatever. And all you do is you talk. You just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and you let everything like come out, spill out. And you can say, you can feel free to say whatever is on your mind. And that's why it's helpful to have somebody you don't really know because then you don't have to feel like you're holding back because There's so many things that we maybe want to say, but we feel like we should feel guilty about saying them when we really don't mean the thing. We just have, we're triggered. We have so many deep emotions. Um, Maybe there's things relating back to other experiences or traumas or hurts that we've had stored up and we need to get that out in a safe and supportive place. And that listening partner is just listening to you. They're not going to be like, oh, well, you shouldn't say that, you know? 
It's an understanding that our brain knows what we need to work through. It knows what we need to expel and it's helping us to recover from some of these things. Even when they're things that we wouldn't naturally like say or think or we can feel embarrassed about thinking and that's exactly what your child is doing here you are like their listening partner they are expressing um whatever is coming up for them knowing that you're holding safe space for them to just expel all this negative energy and just flush it out They need space to let out exactly what they're thinking or feeling in the moment so that they can clear it, right? So if you go and talk to somebody and you let out all your frustrations, it's you're probably going to go back to your kids feeling much more calm, much more able to stay controlled and ready to take on more behavior because you've cleared it. You've let it go. And so the next time your kid says, you know, screaming at you and says you're the worst or they hate you, Just remember that's not true. That's deep-rooted feelings, thinking in the moment that they're trying to clear and expel so that it cannot be weighing them down anymore. So I know that was kind of, (laughs) was longer than my usual. And I, I just really wanted to give a fresh perspective on crying because I think we're getting there a little bit. People are starting to recognize that crying is really important. Um, but I still think there's a long way to go. And in case you're in that place where maybe you think you're okay with crying, I just want you to evaluate, reflect on it. When you're with your child that's crying, do you find yourself actually just sitting there and listening? Can you actually do that? Or are you um, are you trying to say, oh, well, let's go play over here. Or, hey, look at this. Or... Are you trying to reason with them? Well, we can have that later. We can have that at supper. We can play that, you know, tomorrow. Because those are all ways that we're using to get our child to stop crying. And that's also telling our kids that we're not okay with the crying. And so I'm guessing that's probably a lot of you because it's just natural. Like, again, I catch myself doing those things sometimes too. And I just need to remind myself that it's okay for them to cry. It's good. We are giving our child a gift. And so the next time that you are in the crying and you're feeling frustrated or you're feeling like I need to stop it, or especially if you're out in public, hello, I know that can be a challenge. I want you to remind yourself that this isn't bad. This is showing you that your child trust you and feel safe with you and feel supported by you, that they are willing to share their most vulnerable feelings with you. And you're giving them the gift by allowing them to use this natural recovery process to heal and process and recover from those deep feelings and then to be able to face the challenges of the day that they're going to face no matter what. And if you're in a place where your child doesn't really cry, like maybe they cry when they you know, fall down and hurt themselves, but they're they're more aggressive. They're not really getting to the tears. Um, I want you to see that as a sign that there's work to be done there. And it doesn't mean you can't get there. It just means a few things might need to be tweaked. You might need to be implementing some more of these connection strategies. And if you need help with that, please let me know because crying is vital, just like connection. Connection is vital, but so is crying. Think about your own life. <laughs> If you never cried again, you'd have a lot of feelings stored up. So take a moment this week, reflect on your child's crying, how it makes you feel, what comes up for you. 
Um, how was crying growing up? Did your parents allow crying? Did they say no crying allowed? Did they, you know, what did that look like? And then moving forward, how are you going to think about crying? Are you going to continue to feel like it's something that you need to stop? And in those moments when you feel that way, start to shift your perspective. Remind yourself, I'm doing the hard work, but I'm doing the work to allow my child to feel safe and supported to release all these things. So with that, I'm going to leave you until next week. If you have any questions, if you need any help creating a behavior blueprint for you and your family, I would just encourage you to check the show notes and um, you can get all the details there. Have a great weekend. Real quick before you go, if you felt encouraged and inspired by listening to this show, I'd love for you to leave a rating or review over at Apple Podcasts so we can spread the word to help other mamas feel less alone and find beauty in the behaviors. You can also take a screenshot of this episode, share it over on your Instagram stories and tag me at Kaylee Josire and we'll all do a little happy dance together. I love nothing more than to cheer you on along this journey. This work is so hard, but don't forget God has not only called you to it, but he has equipped you for it. Now go get connected. I'll see you next week.